from the Carter Subaru Studios. This is Cairo Nights with Jake Skorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. It's the third hour of the show. We've been having a really fun night. I hope you guys have been enjoying yourself. I'm Jake Skorheim, your host, of course. And do me a favor. Go download the podcast, Cairo Nights with Jake Skorheim, wherever you get your podcast. You're going to love it. I promise. All right, let's get right in. Let's just get to it. We got a lot of stuff to get to. Let's roll. Uh, we have more on the pajama prowlers. This is really interesting to me. They... I, First, I want to start with the moniker, the name, the Pajama Prowlers. It's alliterative. It is catchy. It rolls off the tongue. It's easy to say, Pajama Prowlers. I like it. There's something about it. It's catchy. It's got a, It's got something to it. It reminds me of this from Home Alone. You did it again, didn't you? You left the water running, didn't you? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Why do you do that? I told you not to do it. Harry, it's our calling card. Calling card. All the great ones leave their mark. We're the wet bandits. We're the wet bandits. We're going to talk with James Lynch about this in just a few minutes next on uh, uh, next on the show. But he has this great story. It's up at MyNorthwest.com. You can check it out there. But listen, here's the basic details. You have three girls who wear pajamas that are all matching pajamas, and they go around breaking into vehicles, like using a hammer, smashing windows, stealing things out of cars. We reported on this last week. And they hit 18 cars in one night in this neighborhood in Bellevue. And now you have similar break-ins happening all over the place. Now, you might be asking yourself, are these copycat crimes? Because they're not just happening in Bellevue now. Now it's multiple locations. Kent, Seattle, Federal Way. Clearly, they're very mobile if it's the same folks. If it's not, if it is just copycat crimes, I guess that makes sense. This got a lot of press. It'd be pretty easy to put on some pajamas and go steal some cars. And you might go break into some cars. And all of a sudden, you might be able to pawn that crime off onto somebody in Bellevue who knows how it's going to work out? But we're going to talk to James Lynch about it in just a little bit. There have been some arrests made, so hopefully we're going to get some more information on that. But we'll get that to you in just a little bit. So stick around for that. It's a fascinating story. And I'm really interested. Pajama Prowlers. Very interesting. All right. Um, I saw this, and this did not make me feel great. This is a story that we have seen, it's been talking about a lot lately, especially if you're from the Seattle area or just anybody who flies on a plane, this is something that everybody seems interested in, and it doesn't make you feel very good. There's a former high-level Boeing, a couple of them now, former high-level Boeing managers and engineers have issued some pretty harsh warnings for flyers, and they're saying to avoid Boeing's 737 MAX 9 jets. Uh, there's a senior Boeing official. His name is Ed Pearson. He talked to the LA Times. He says, I would absolutely... Not fly a Max airplane. That doesn't make me feel good. Uh, He says, I've worked in the factory where they were built, and I saw the pressure employees were under to rush the planes out the door. Joe Jacobson is also a former Boeing engineer. He worked, uh, he's also worked at the Federal Aviation Administration or the FAA as we know it. He gave a similar warning. He said uh, that he thought it was premature for airlines, including Alaska, to be resuming flights with these jets. Um, Jacobson actually told the LA Times, he says, I would tell my family to avoid the Max. There's a lot of Boeing 737 Maxes out there. So this is kind of scary. Uh, Ed Pearson, he's a former Boeing manager. He talked, he turned, he was a whistleblower. We now know who he is. He sat down with Cairo 7 News. This is a few days ago. He sat down with Cairo 7 News and he says, 
he wasn't surprised when he saw that it was a 737 MAX when that plug blew off in midair at 16,000 feet. And the plane had to make an emergency landing. Thankfully, nobody was hurt. But Ed says, he goes, yeah, I, I'm a former Boeing employee. I was part of this whole process, and I was not surprised that it was a Boeing 737 MAX. Were you surprised when you heard about what happened this past week? Not at all. Um, in fact, we we're just thankful that it wasn't you know, a fatality. We've been monitoring. When I say we, there's a group of us that have been working together um, for several years now, just closely monitoring the MAX. You know, we were actually monitoring the MAX before it went back into service, and we've been very concerned by what we've been seeing and some of the data and some of the reports, um, issues involving production quality, engineering exemptions that are being requested. So we, we've been very um, dialed in and, and concerned, and we've been trying our best to get the word out to people. We've been working with Congress, um, working with the FAA, you know, working with anybody that would talk to us because the public message is everything's fine, the plane's out there, there's billions of dollars being sold, you know, billions of dollars worth of airplanes being sold. And, and obviously, I, I just want to say up front, because I, sometimes I forget to say this, but I want to say it, is that I am a big fan of the Boeing company. My family has worked at the Boeing company, I have friends that work at the Boeing company, and I want the company to be successful. And unfortunately, when you see these kinds of things that are happening, and then you know, putting passengers at risk and flight crews at risk, um, you know, feel obligated to speak up. So that's what we've been trying to do as a team. We have a foundation that we're trying to um, really raise attention on matters. So I guess it's a long answer, Glenn, but not at all. We weren't surprised at all. You know, when you hear stories like this, when you hear guys like this who used to work for Boeing for 10 years, now they're coming out as a whistleblower because they feel like it's their responsibility to, this is a warning to the public. Does this make you nervous about flying on a Boeing plane? I mean, I got to be honest. When I hear this guy talking, it makes me feel nervous about flying. I mean, not just any, not not just, uh, not just flying a Boeing plane. I just, I'm kind of a nervous flyer to begin with. So maybe take this with a grain of salt, but this guy sounds pretty credible to me. He actually also was saying that he thinks he knows where the problem lies, and it's not with the people building the plane. And it, it really is a leadership, complete, utter leadership failure right now. So he thinks it's basically a leadership failure. Of course, that trickles down, and it, turn, it trickles down to what are their priorities? Is the priority to make the most money that you can, so you got to turn out as many jets as you possibly can, or... Is it about making sure that your engineering is sound and the planes that you have leaving your factory are all bolted on tight? And I hope that they're uh, going to be choosing the latter as they think about what the company is going to look like going forward. Um, so this guy, again, his name is Ed Pearson. He's a whistleblower. He is now speaking with Cairo 7 and some other uh, places. Like he just spoke with the LA Times. We just uh, uh, read you a quote from him there. But he says why he's speaking up. And he tells a story about a guy who's lost everything. There's so much out there that the public doesn't know about. And there was a gentleman, a Canadian, who lost his entire family. His name's Paul Girogi, and he lost it. he's a Toronto native, and he lost his whole family, his three kids and his wife and his mother-in-law. And he told me on a podcast, he said, Ed, if I had known, if I, had, if I, if I was informed and I knew that that plane had any problems, I never would have put my family on it. And so... We've taken that as kind of one of our mantras and decided that we're going to, that's why we created the foundation, is we want to shed a light on 
things that we think that the public is unaware of. You know, and you shouldn't have to worry. You should be able to go on your phone, <laughs> get your ticket, go to Expedia, go through you know gate. You know, you shouldn't have to go. What, what model is this? Is this you know is this a Max? Oh my gosh, you should absolutely not have to do that. But I know that that's what people are doing. You're looking out that window, you're waiting to board your plane, and you look and you see it says 737 MAX on it. How could that not send a little shiver down your spine? This is a really precarious situation that Boeing finds themselves in. And they're a massive company here locally. So I hope that they figure this out. I totally root for Boeing as well. I am a, I'm a company man. I want Boeing to be successful. I don't work for Boeing, obviously, but I grew up here. I know how much Boeing has been a positive impact on our local economy for like 100 years. They've done amazing things. They've been a leader in the aerospace industry. They have changed the world, literally changed the world. I hope they figure this out because they need to. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that they will, honestly. I really want them to. I'm rooting for them to figure this out. But... If I'm being completely honest, when I board the next flight, am I going to be more excited if it's an Airbus? Probably a little bit. All right, let's move on. Speaking of companies that are going through tough times right now, the CEOs of five leading social media companies were in front of Congress on Wednesday, and they got grilled by senators on both sides of the aisle for like three hours. This is really interesting. I have some audio I'm going to play for you here. Mark Zuckerberg, who is the uh, creator of Facebook and the CEO of what is now Meta, what used to be Facebook, what is now Meta. He also owns Instagram. And obviously, I don't need to explain who Mark Zuckerberg is. You guys know who Mark Zuckerberg is. Just go watch The Social Network. Great movie. But he was in front of these senators and they were asking him about social media and the negative impact that it is having on teenagers. Now, Zuckerberg said something pretty incredible. He says that there is no link between teen mental health and social media. With so much of our lives spent on mobile devices and social media, it's important to look into the effects on teen mental health and well-being. I take this very seriously. Mental health is a complex issue, and the existing body of scientific work has not shown a causal link between using social media and young people having worse mental health outcomes. I got to say, it's kind of amazing that he would say something like that. I don't need him to go up there and get in front of these senators and to say that social media is good for teenagers. He doesn't have to do that. But he could just not say that there's no link between social media and teen mental health. I feel like we all just know that social media anecdotally is not good for teen mental health. Because all the pictures on social media can be uh, filtered, they can all be changed, they can all be airbrushed with the little airbrushing apps, they can all be fixed in some way to make somebody look better than they do naturally. Those things are all hurting people mentally. And we've seen that, and particularly with teenage girls. Now, here's what's interesting. Senator Josh Hawley showed up with receipts, as people like to say these days, and he says, Mr. Zuckerberg, it's funny you say that teenagers are not, uh, can, you know, having no mental health decline because of social media, because I actually have some studies that were done by a little company called Instagram that Mr. Zuckerberg owns. Listen to this exchange. Mr. Zuckerberg, let me start with you. Did I hear you say in your opening statement that there's no link between mental health and social media use? Senator, what I said is I think it's important to look at the science. I know it's People widely talk about this as if that is something that's already been proven. And I think that the bulk of the scientific evidence does not support that. Well, really, let, let me just remind you of some of the science from your own company. Instagram studied the effect of your platform on teenagers. 
Let me just read you some quotes from the Wall Street Journal's report on this. Company researchers found that Instagram is harmful for a sizable percentage of teenagers, most notably teenage girls. Here's a quote from your own study. Quote, we make body image issues worse for one in three teen girls. Here's another quote. Teens blamed Instagram, this is your study, for increases in the rate of anxiety and depression. This reaction was unprompted and consistent across all groups. That's your study. Senator, we try to under, understand the, uh, the feedback and, and how people feel about the services. We can improve. Wait a minute. Them. Your, own, study, your are... own study says that you make life worse for one in three teenage girls. You increase no, Senator, anxiety and depression. Says. That's what it says. And you're here testifying to us in public that there's no link. You've been doing this for years. So I think this is a really great exchange, this back and forth between Zuckerberg and Senator Hawley. Again, he's a Republican senator from Missouri, and he presses him with all this information that Zuckerberg's own company has come out with. Now, I absolutely believe that social media is a very, very dangerous thing for kids. And I have personally, my wife and I, we've talked about it on the show many times. My wife and I have even expressed that we are not going to be buying our kids cell, even cell phones so they don't have access to this kind of stuff until they're adults, until they're like 17, 18 years old. When they're 16 and they're driving a car, they're going to get dumb phones. And the reason they're going to get them dumb phones is because I don't want their phones to be able to connect to all these different things. I don't want the internet to have a say in how my kid sees the world. Now, I know that might seem really ridiculous, and you're going to think that, oh, Jake just doesn't understand technology, and of course these kids are going to be influenced by technology. Yes, that is true. They will be influenced by technology. But I'm going to do everything I can possibly do because I love my kids. I got four sons. I love my sons. And I don't want them, I don't want their view of the world to be skewed by social media because social media is not real. It can have real effects on real life, but like it's a fake place. And it's determining so much of what these young people do how they see the world, how they interact with people, how they treat people or don't treat people. And that's incredibly powerful. Why would I just hand my kids this very dangerous thing, like a smartphone that gives them access to all these different things? Now, yeah, I'm going to teach my kids and I'm going to hope that they make the right decisions. And when it comes time for them to use social media, I hope that they do it responsibly. I use social media. I'm an adult. I have to use it in this business. It's a big part of what we do here. Uh, it helps us stay in touch with you guys. But I know the dangers as a 40-year-old man, how dangerous it can also be. And so I'm hoping that when my kids are finally able to use it, and it's not going to be until they're much older, uh, that they are able to use it responsibly. What was interesting, though, is there's a lot of people who kid, whose kids have suffered horrible outcomes because of social media. There are kids who have been bullied, cyberbullied on these social media sites who have taken their own lives. Some of those families were in the congressional hearing that Zuckerberg was speaking in front of when he was being asked by these senators these questions. And Senator Hawley, in some impromptu move, asked Mr. Zuckerberg, you're here. Why, why don't you just address these families? They're sitting behind you. Why don't you offer them an apology? And Zuckerberg stands up and offers an apology. This is, I mean, this is really actually not common to see happen, but this is very interesting. Listen to this. So you didn't take any action. You didn't That's take any true, action. Senator. You didn't fire anybody. You haven't That's compensated a single not, victim. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. There's families of victims here today. Have you apologized to the victims? I, 
Would you like to do so now? Well, they're here. You're on national television. Would you like now to apologize to the victims who have been harmed by your product? Show them the pictures. Would you like to apologize for what you've done to these good people? Now, the audio is a little a little different here. It's a little low. Zuckerberg is standing up. He's turned around. He's now facing the audience, which is packed. He's facing the audience. You can hear them clapping that he's standing up and giving an apology. And uh, eventually they get a mic in front of him and you were able to hear him a little bit. So we were able to get just a little bit of his, his apology in there. But a lot of folks are now saying in the wake of this apology, they said it's insincere. And it was only made because he was put on the spot and it didn't seem genuine. So you can be the judge of that yourself. Listen here. And this is why we invested so much and are going to continue doing streaming efforts to, uh, to make sure that no one has to go through the types of things that your families have had to suffer. You know, why, Mr. Zuckerberg, why should your company not be sued for this? Why is it that you can claim, you hide behind a liability shield, you can't be held accountable? So that's that's the basis of this whole conversation. Are social media companies liable when bad things happen because of information that's spread on their sites? Like we here at the radio station, we're held to a certain standard. And if we do something or we incite something or we say something that's not true, there's a couple of protections against that. One, we have a company who doesn't allow us to do those things. They'll fire us like that. Two, we actually have a seven-second delay. And so that keeps us from making mistakes. And if we do make a mistake, it gives us the opportunity to change it real fast. So we have a little dump button. If we have a guest who comes on and they say something that you can't say, there's a bunch of words that you're not allowed to say on the public airwaves. And if they say some one of those things and accidentally a word slips out, we can hit the dump button and that goes away. But on these social media sites, horrible things are said. Pornography is spread against people's wishes. Uh, horrible things. I don't need to tell you what's spread on the social media sites. And the social media companies claim that they're not responsible. And they're putting in all these protections and yada, 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 but they shouldn't be financially responsible. Because the second they become financially responsible, I guarantee you, you're going to stop seeing all, the, all that stuff on the social media sites. It just will happen because they can't afford to stay open. They can't afford to stay in business if suddenly people can sue them for the bad things that happen on their sites. So it's going to be interesting to see. If they somehow are opened up and they are then going to be responsible for what is spread on their sites, then I think things are going to change with social media in a big way. All right. We got a lot more coming up on the show. You are not going to want to miss it. Stick around. We're going to talk to James Lynch next about those pajama prowlers. It's very interesting. You're not going to want to miss it. We're going to be right back here on Cairo Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. I have a very special friend on the show with me right now. He is a Cairo news radio reporter. His name is James Lynch. Welcome to the show, James. Well, thank you, Jake. I wanted to ask you, you have this great story. No, no, wait a second. I've got something that I want to ask you, and we can bring your listeners in. Okay, yes. You're obviously getting ready to have your fourth son. Yes. You were asking for names. That's right. My suggestion is D'Artagnan. The, the, <laughs> That's the, right. The fourth musketeer. I think it's a great name. It is a good name. You're did right. you mention it to your wife? Okay, so here's the thing. You did mention this. You've asked me about it a few times. Uh, I, I was not sure that you were serious about that suggestion, so I haven't brought it up to my wife yet, but 
now that I can tell you're serious, I will I will bring it up with her. It'd it's be a, interesting to see just what she thinks of. It's a good you know what it is? It's a good strong name. I like the idea, like you mentioned, that is the fourth musketeer name, so it makes sense. We have the three musketeers kind of right now with my three boys. The fourth one, who kind of is like the little hero, you know, looking up to the big brothers. I think it's a very it's a very good suggestion. I should take it seriously. And you can shorten it. You can call him Dar or you could call him Tanyan. There, there are a lot of lot Tanyan of options. sounds like an orange drink that astronauts would drink, doesn't it? Um, it does. All right, a little bit like Tang. Okay, so you have this story. I find this story really fascinating because it's just it kind of grabs your attention. There's pajama prowlers that are prowling around. Originally, I think it was just in one neighborhood in Bellevue, and they hit like 18 vehicles in one night. And the thing that makes this unique is that it is, by all appearances, it's three youngish teenager to 20-something girls wearing pajamas, breaking into cars. Pajama bottoms and hoodies, matching pajama bottoms and hoodies. And not only in Bellevue, uh, uh, we've seen this happen down in Kent. We've seen it happen in Federal Way. Uh, It's also happened down in Tacoma. Now, what police are doing, they're trying to work together uh, to see if, if one group is responsible for all of these or if perhaps there are copycats out there or something like that. That's so we're really still wi- waiting on that. That's a wide ranging zone, though. I mean, I would I, I would think I would think it would be a copycat crime because it's so specific. I can't imagine. And, and so somebody would go, oh, you know, it's really genius. Let's dress up like these pajama girls and we can get away with it. Because they're just going to pin it on these people up in Lake, uh, Lake was it Lakewood or not Lakewood? Uh, it was, Bellevue, uh, Bellevue, mm-hmm. in Bellevue originally, and there's like camera footage of them doing it, and there's pictures, and it looks like ring cams and stuff like that. And how are they breaking into these cars? Oh, they're using a hammer. You know, <laughs> they, they use a hammer, hammer or anything heavy that they can get. But in the video that we've seen, uh, they walk up to the car, use a hammer, and this is in in full view of a ring doorbell, so you can see them. Yeah, uh, it's it's obviously the ring has a, a bit of a. a a nighttime yeah, like uh, lens an, on almost it. looks like a night vision almost like a night vision so yeah. you can even they don't cover their faces very much they are wearing hoodies but uh you can really get a good look at at who they are now down in federal way where it's happened federal way has made uh, uh a couple of arrests uh, for a couple of incidents that they've had down there. So now these departments are working together to kind of piece together if they're related. Now, uh, Bellevue PD told me that they might have some information today or tomorrow. Now their investigators say that they're going to push that back, and hopefully they'll have more information on it next week. Well, that makes me think that maybe there's a break in the case. And well, maybe yeah, I thought the same thing, and, and I thought it would come today. What is they're getting together with the folks down south, and they're going to bring us some pajama, some pajama party information. Very well, could be. And before you before you say that, um, I, I think it, it it should be said that, in my opinion, anyway, if they if they had something to link it, I would think that they would they would know about it pretty soon. Yeah. In other words, they look at the video and the, and they could tell if they've got any. I kind feel of like evidence. I could get to the bottom of it with the video. I mean, these faces are very clear. Officer Jake. Officer Jake. I should do it. It did remind me of this. Do you remember? The, do you, Do you know the Home Alone movies? Oh yeah. Okay. Do you remember this in those movies? You did it again, didn't you? You left the water running, didn't you? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Why do you do that? I told you not to do it. Harry, it's our calling card. Calling card. All the great ones leave their mark. 
We're the wet bandits. We're the wet bandits. <laughs> and it made me think, I'm wondering, these girls, obviously, this is a coordinated thing. They didn't all just show up dressed exactly exactly alike. So they must have gotten their heads together and they said, hey, we need a we need like a, a catchy name. We could be the Pajama Prowlers. Do you think that they came up with that name before or was that a law enforcement thing? And, I mean, because it's that's what they are. They're wearing pajamas and they're prowling. Why? Pajama prowlers, I, I liked a lot. Usually it's police that come up with it or the media. Do we and know we, who came up with it? Because it is a not, very catchy name. We do not know who came up with it. We should trace that it. back and find out who came up with that moniker. I, I like the name, though. I thought it was interesting. But an, another thing on that, it would seem to me that this is likely um, a group of friends, uh, because I had one other reporter in the newsroom say, well, maybe they just decided, hey, let's go out and get matching pajamas. I think they're friends already had matching pajamas. And they said, let's just go out and break into some cars. Put on some hoodies and break in cars. We see all these stories these days about the Kias, like, Kia, you know, Kia boys. It's like young adolescents stealing cars. And now we have these youngish looking teenage, maybe 20 something girls breaking into cars. Why, why do you think we're seeing so many of these stories now? Well, I think it, it comes down to, to, brain development i mean yeah. ultimately i you know or underdevelopment yeah underdevelopment but kids, commonly yeah. the brain is developing until you're about 25 so uh they don't make good decisions uh at that young age so perhaps that that has something to do with it but how uh, a group of girls a group of boys whatever uh, could come up with something like this that has such a shock factor to the victims yeah inconvenience to the victims oh, and financial expense to the victims. I mean, they, they just break a window, but the ramifications of their actions spread widely after they're gone. And they don't, and, and because they're teenagers, probably they just don't think about it and, or they don't care or they don't care. Likely I was at a uh, comedy show the other night. Do you know who Nate Bargatze is? He's a comedian. I believe so. Yeah. Really funny guy. So I was at the, um, I think it's called the angel of the winds arena, but it was up in Everett. It was at Everett arena. Yep. And great show. He sold out the show. There's like 10,000 seats in that place. And he set some record, like literally every seat in the place was filled. So after the show, my wife and I are walking back to our car and we decided not to park in one of those little lots near the stadium, near the arena, because there were like 40 bucks. You could just like find street parking a couple blocks further away, which is what we did. And I felt so bad. I'm following this, this couple and they're walking back and I'm hearing them just like, oh, what a great show. And they're laughing and retelling each other the jokes. And they turn the corner and they go into the $40 an hour. I'm sorry, for the $40 event lot. And they walk up to their car and their windows are smashed out because they had forgotten something in their car that they didn't realize they left in plain view. And it's just that simple. Somebody walks up, bam, they smack the window. It shatters. They steal whatever's inside the window. And again, like you said, for the person doing it, the teenager, whoever it was, some person who's just decided to break into cars, they're not thinking about the ramifications of that. That ruined their night. You know, they're going to have to call insurance now and they're going to go have drop their car off at some, you know, car repair shop that is or isn't going to have a, me, a, a window immediately available. That's going to take days. They're driving around. They're going to have to put up one of those garbage brag, bags with like tape just to get the window closed so it's not raining in the car. Stop breaking into cars, teenagers. That's not nice. Even if you're doing it in cute pajamas and getting everybody's attention, it's not a good idea. Well, the best piece of advice, and police will tell you this, 
Leave nothing, nothing in your car. Yeah, nothing in the glove box, nothing in the console, but most importantly, nothing in open view. Yes, there are some people think, oh well, you know, I can leave a jacket on the back seat. You can't even leave a jacket. There's a lot of people who need jackets. They would love a jacket, and they'll break a window to get it. So yeah. I make sure inside my car that there is nothing in my car ever. Because yep. I've had my car broken into Me too. Uh, before, so I make sure that there is nothing left in my car. Yeah, well, good advice. All right, James Lynch, he's on top of this pajama prowler story. We're going to stick with him and find out more about it when he knows more. Appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks for having me, Jake. And I'm really going to consider that D'Artagnan name. It's a I good think, suggestion. I think you should. Your son will thank you later. He will thank me later. Absolutely. All right, that's James Lynch, and we have a lot more coming up on the show. Stick around. We're going to be right back here on Cairo Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scoreheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. It's the last segment of the night. Are you guys having fun? Did you guys have a good night tonight? I hope you had fun. Matt, thank you so much. Great producing tonight. Lisa, she's always a blast to have on the show, isn't she, guys? You guys always say such nice things whenever we do the news roundup. I really appreciate you guys listening to the show. Honestly, we really do. If you get a chance, go download the podcast, Cairo Nights with Jake Scoreheim on the podcast. And you can get that anywhere. Spotify, Apple, Amazon. It's great. You can listen to it there. And we're going to post a bunch of stuff there. Not just stuff on the show, but we're going to start posting some extra things there. So just little extra bits that we just don't even have time to get to on our show. Because three hours just isn't enough time. I have more to say And I want you to hear it. All right. The other thing that I want to make sure that you check out, we've been posting some videos. I've been doing some videos with some different folks around the building. You can find those on my Instagram page at Jake Scoreheim one, the number one. And you can also find me on uh, Twitter or X at Jake Scoreheim. Of course, we have the Cairo Knights Facebook page. You can check out there as well. A lot of great stuff there. But now I want to play you this. So on Wheel of Fortune, which, as I have talked about many times on the show, is one of my favorite shows. It's one of the shows that I record every single night. And then at the end of the week, I try to watch, I do a little uh, Wheel of Fortune binge. And that's like a thing that we can watch as a family. And it's super fun. And it's not quite as like mentally demanding as Jeopardy. My wife likes to watch Jeopardy. I'm a Wheel of Fortune person. So if that tells you anything about how smart we are, then maybe that's too much of an insight for you. But I'm a Wheel of Fortune guy. I love it. I love trying to solve those puzzles. It is my dream someday to be on Wheel of Fortune. I just want to spin that wheel and I want to solve a prize puzzle. That's all I want. If I can do those things, then I can die a happy man. All right, so fans are kind of outraged. I'm going to play you some audio and you guys can you guys can help me get to the bottom of this. You get to play detective here. Fans of Wheel of Fortune have been left baffled after this contestant the other night. She's up there. She's doing the final clue. She's got, uh, you know, the final puzzle. And here's what the puzzle reads. It's blank, blank, N, blank. So the first word has four letters, blank, blank, N, blank. The last word has five letters, blank, R, blank, 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 blank. So I, I have six letters. I apologize. I'm a bad counter. The category is living thing. And contestant, her name is Megan. She is a California high school choir director. It sounds to my ear, and it might sound to your ear, like she gets it immediately. Like it's the first thing she guesses, but they don't immediately give her the right thing. And then she keeps guessing, she keeps guessing. Eventually, uh -uh, the time goes out, 
and she doesn't get it. Listen to this. Living thing is the category. You have 10 seconds to try to tell us what's up there. Good luck. Something orchid. Pony orchid. You might have been overthinking, thinking of a type of orchid. Pink. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. I'm sorry that didn't work out for you, and I have to look in here, but I can't open it, so. Oh, there you go. I know, that would have been awfully nice. But you had a good night. $14,700. Uh, $14,007. Congratulations. Thank you so much. All right, so fans are kind of confused because it sure sounds like the first thing she guessed is. Pink Orchid. Listen to it again. It's right here. Let me pull it up again. And Pink Orchid. Let's see. Right here. Here we go. To try to tell us what's up there. Good luck. Something Orchid. It's it's slight. She doesn't quite enunciate the K, the K, Pink Orchid. She says something. It's it almost like she says Ping Orchid. Something Orchid. I don't know. Hi. That's close. It sure sounds like Pink Orchid. She could have won an extra 40000 bucks, which would have been nice. But she doesn't seem to protest it, and she doesn't seem to think that she got it. So she doesn't get that 40000 bucks. All right. That is it for the show tonight. I hope you guys had a great time. We had a great time bringing you the show tomorrow. It's Friday. Friday is where we get to have some fun. So you're not going to want to miss that. But for tonight, I'm tired. It's been a big show, and I need to go get some sleep. Night-night. <laughs>